Today I'd like to speak about fatherhood in general and spiritual fatherhood in particular. And we can see this in our gospel text. There's a dynamic between Abraham on the one hand and these two other people, um, Lazarus and the rich man. And uh, there's a relationship here of spiritual fatherhood that's taking place. The rich man, he refers to Abraham three times in our text. Father, father, father. Abraham calls the rich man uh, child, refers to him with, with the title child. Now, this part, this section of the Gospel of Luke is illuminated if we step back and we, we place it in the context of the entire Gospel. In fact, right in the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, there's a very important uh, line or passage that sheds a lot of light on our uh, passage in, in chapter 16 here today. And uh, that is, speaking of John the Baptist, it is said that he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. John the Baptist is going to come, and as a result of his ministry, the hearts of the fathers are going to be turned to the children. Very interesting line. And in the Gospel of Luke in general, whenever fathers are mentioned, it's actually usually a reference to the Old Testament patriarchs, Abraham in particular. And uh, it would be too much to really get into right now. I could probably, probably take me 10 or 20 minutes to do this, but if we take uh, the first passage in the gospel, uh, this passage in the gospel, first chapter of Luke and our current passage, and we compare them with other passages from the Bible, from Old Testament books like Malachi, First Kings, the book of Genesis, so forth and so on, what we begin to see here is that this talk about the hearts of the fathers turning towards the children, it's a reference not to fathers on earth, actually, but fathers who have passed on, spiritual fathers from distant, bygone ages. That presupposes that those fathers who are in the realm of the blessed right now, whose souls are uh, are with, uh, they're not with us anymore here on earth, it implies that they have knowledge of what's taking place on earth and that they're still exercising their their spiritual fatherhood through their prayers. They're doing this uh, from this the realm of the blessed. And uh, we see this, unfortunately, the, this, the relationship of spiritual fatherhood between Abraham and the rich man is not realized. It doesn't come to fruition. The rich man ends up in, in hell. But Lazarus ends up in heaven. And that's uh, spiritual fatherhood come to fruition. A successful instance of spiritual fatherhood. Lazarus dies, and it says the angels bring him to the bosom of Abraham. Now, the Greek word translated bosom is, uh, it denotes the, the section of a man's chest between his two shoulders here, where his heart is. So again, we have the, the turning of the hearts of the fathers to the children. Abraham, from the realm of the blessed, looking down upon Lazarus, seeing the trials and the hardships that he has gone through. And yet, seeing his resignation, his piety, his obedience to God, and praying for him with great fatherly love. And as it were, drawing Lazarus to himself like a magnet. And Lazarus being brought by the angels to that, that loving heart of his spiritual father, 
Father Abraham. Now, it's no mystery, I think, that we've had a we've had a really kind of a crisis of fatherhood in the past generation or two. Here are just uh, a few statistics that I found on a YouTube video that was addressing this issue of the, the fatherhood crisis. Seventy-one percent of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. Seventy-one percent of pregnant teens come from fatherless homes. These statistics, I think, are of America and Australia, but I, I can't imagine that it's much better in uh, Europe. Eighty-five percent of children with behavior disorders they, they come from fatherless homes. Ninety percent of homeless and runaway children, they, they're from fatherless homes. Eighty-five percent of all youth in prison come from fatherless homes. I'm sure Deacon Kylie, who's worked in prison for many, many years, can testify to this phenomenon, and it can't be a coincidence, and it's not just a correlation. There's some causal link here, obviously, between this high rate of dysfunctionality and the lack of a father figure in this uh, person's life. The father's love for a child is absolutely irreplaceable. It's of great benefit to the children, and it really can't be replaced by anything else, by any kind of substitute, especially when it comes to boys. Just one quick example of how uh, a father's love uh, functions in the, in the life of a little boy is, uh, you know, little boys, they've got muscles and they've got lots of energy, and uh, the father can basically engage in a kind of a rough-and-tumble play with with the boy and what is happening there is the little boy is learning to channel his excess energy and his strength to socially acceptable ways and to channel them constructively and not destructively read an article recently a guy who worked with hundreds and hundreds of uh, troubled youth that were involved in gangs and violence he says they they're almost all from fatherless homes almost all of them and so if the energy and the strength is not directed in a healthy manner, it's going to be directed in a destructive manner. It's going to be uh, not beneficial, but uh, destructive for the broader community, for society. And, uh, of course, a mother's love is just as essential uh, for the upbringing of a child as a father's love. But mothers, because of the strong biological connection between them and their children, it, they're usually the ones that are in the picture. They're around. You know, the child comes from their body, and uh, they have, uh, you know, a, a certain dimension to their psychology that keeps them in the picture. Whereas more often than not, it's the men who are absent, and so that's why it's need. There, there's a need to be focusing on on fathers. Um, the the father's love is a necessary complement to. Uh, the mother's love. The mother's love is kind of like this undifferentiated ball of just love and and warm emotions, and um, it can sur- it surrounds the child and protects them and nurtures them. Uh, the father's love is a little bit more distant and a little bit more challenging. the The mother's love is kind of unconditional. It's like home. It's domestic. It's always there. The father's love can sometimes be, in a healthy manner, conditional. 
meaning you can, it's not just a gift, but it's a it's a reward as well. You kind of got to work for it, and uh, that's a healthy balance. Uh, children who are raised only by mothers, oftentimes, you know, the the, the danger is that they grow up with a sense of uh, entitlement. They're, they're spoiled. Um, and the father's love is that necessary uh, correction, that balance that comes in and kind of gets tough with the kids sometimes when he or she needs it and says, you got to get your act together, otherwise you're going to get it. And the, the father's love, by doing this, it trains the child for adversity. Uh, the mother wants to protect the child, but the father does too, but he sees a long term. He says, look, if this kid's going to grow up, he, he or she's got to have, some, they've got to be strong to be able to face future um, trials and challenges and so on, preparing them for the long range. It's, it's very long range in its orientation. Uh, again, that the, the father's love that's got more of a distant nature to it, that distance is not, if the father's doing his, right, doing his job properly, it's not an absence, but really it's a freedom within which the child can learn to take risks and move out of the, the kind of the domestic sphere of the mother's love, go out into the world and take risks and take responsibility to make things better out there, out in the world. Uh, many mothers often, you know, have the experience of, you know, dad takes the kid, kids out for a weekend or for a day, and they come back and tell mom all the things they did, and she's, oh my gosh, I would never let them do that. So, I mean, the father has this ability to kind of give the children some space for them to fall flat on their heads, you know, maybe hurt themselves, uh, and it's going to be okay. They're going to learn to take those risks and to overcome uh, challenges. And uh, again, essential in the formation of responsibility and, and making the world a better place. Now, we're all called, all uh, women are called to exercise motherhood and spiritual motherhood, whether or not they have biological children. It's the same thing with fathers. I'm sorry, I should say it's the same thing with men. All men are called to exercise spiritual fatherhood, regardless of whether or not they have biological children. Uh, maybe our immediate children are up and out of the house. Maybe they've got children of their own. We have grandchildren. and Or again, maybe we don't have biological children. But whatever it might be, there are young people in our lives as men towards whom we exercise spiritual fatherhood. And uh, unless our biological fatherhood is spiritually fruitful, it's really been given to us for naught. Um, God, in uh, through the prophet Malachi, he says, you know, I've established marriage, and what do I want from marriage? I want godly children. Godly children. So, we are to raise our biological children to be not just citizens of the United States of America, but citizens for heaven. That's really the main goal of biological fatherhood. So spiritual fatherhood is the more primary and foundational fatherhood that all men, regardless, are called to exercise. And whenever a man uses his love and, and does something good for the community out of love, that's an exercise of his spiritual fatherhood. Again, regardless of whether or not he has biological children. That love, the love of, of a man that comes from a man's heart, is it's guiding, it's directive. Okay, that's that special masculine fatherly fingerprint 
that it has, the character that it has. It's directive, it's guiding, it's constructive. And whenever that's exercised, a man is exercising his spiritual father. And of course, as a Catholic priest, hopefully I, I do that on a daily basis, but all men are called to exercise their spiritual fatherhood. And uh, we might think about this. Abraham is our father in faith. We have no biological connection to Abraham. Nonetheless, he is our father. And he exercises his spiritual fatherhood vis-a-vis billions of people all across history. And he's doing it right now from heaven through his intercession, through his prayers. That's how fruitful Abraham's spiritual fatherhood uh, was and is and will be until the end of the world. And uh, all of us right now, like Abraham, when he was on earth, he exercised faith and it put him in a position to be able to continue exercising his spiritual fatherhood from heaven. So also all of us, men, women, we are exercising our spiritual motherhood, our spiritual fatherhood on earth, and we're not going to stop doing it when we die. It's actually going to come into a more deeper and profound and more effective dimension of, of its exercise, of, its, of this rea- <clears throat> reality. So this is why, you know, it's a, it's a preparation. Earth is a preparation for heaven, and we need to be getting ready for this. Uh, St. Therese famously said, I want to spend my heaven doing good on earth. And we will continue to exercise our spiritual motherhood and fatherhood from heaven. Uh, so let's, right now, prepare for doing that as best we can while we're on earth. Here's some practical considerations to close with. Um, the Holy Spirit has given St. Joseph the Worker Parish many, many gifts. And uh, in my three months here, almost three months, I've been trying to listen and wait and see. And obviously the first beautiful gift that the Holy Spirit has given us is this amazing church. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit, this, the physical building itself. Uh, but there are many other gifts that he has given to our community um, one of which is the very notably high proportion of men in our community. That, that's a really remarkable thing, both in Savannah and in Clyde and in Lyons. Compared to other parishes across upstate New York, we have a high uh, proportion of men who are here present with us and who are men of prayer and spiritual men. That's a beautiful, beautiful gift from the Holy Spirit. We need to recognize that and facilitate that. Um, there are men's groups, Holy Name of Jesus, Holy Name Society. Um, you know, if you're not part of that, consider joining. There are the Knights of Columbus right now. And, uh, you know, there, there's need for a resourcement, for a, for a boost, an energy boost amongst the Knights. The Knights are a beautiful society that, that exercises spiritual fatherhood uh, towards the community in, in wonderful and powerful uh, and very constructive, uh, beneficial ways. Um, also, we have young people in our life, even if our biological kids are up and out of the house. We have young boys and girls in our life. Let's be mindful to be involved with them, to exercise our spiritual fatherhood amongst them. And then, finally, we need to, like Abraham, live a life of faith and obedience to God's words. And in doing so, we will uh, exercise our spiritual fatherhood on earth and be uh, in a position to exercise it as well from heaven.